0: Bibles, the first Kings chapter 17 again, when I started, I didn't intend actually to preach any of the messages on Sunday morning, but I made an exception to that today and we preached about the subject of there in the first six verses this morning. We're going to pick up the story, a different story actually, but related to our theme, the Lord God Elijah. I want to speak to you tonight about the outcome of obedience the outcome of obedience first kings chapter 17 verse number 7 and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land and the word of the lord came unto him saying Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there, gathering of sticks, and he called at her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord, uh, the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I, uh, I, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse number 13, Solomon gives us these words of wisdom. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. In other words, he's going to roll it all up into one ball of wax. I mean, here it is in one brief sentence. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. And what he said is affirmed throughout the Bible. The fact is God expects us to obey Him, even when we don't understand. We talked about that a little bit this morning. You can try to imagine Elijah, you know, uh, being told of the Lord, I want you to go to the brook Cherith and, and dwell there by the brook. First, he told him to leave where you are. You've got to leave there, go to the brook Cherith, and the ravens will feed thee there. And it's hard hard to imagine someone uh, trying to reason out in their mind that that any of that made sense. And that's why I said this morning, you know, it would have been, you know, human nature's never changed, folks. It's Ever since the fall of Adam, human nature has always been the same, and our needs never vary. Those two things remain constant throughout history. And so if I put myself in his place, I'm thinking, you know, I've just had a bad dream. That really wasn't God, but it was. And he responded, of course, to the command that God gave him. And uh, when he got there, he was blessed as a result of it. And that's the way it always is. When we obey God... There's a blessing attached to it. When we disobey God, there is a curse attached to that. And that's what we see here in the times of Elijah where Israel had disobeyed God. And as a result of that, God withheld the rain for three and a half years. And Elijah, of course, on the other hand, obeyed God. And all during that time, he had his needs supplied in this case Uh, He was fed by ravens. Well, now we come to another example of how obedience brings blessings because he's just been fed by the ravens there at Cherith, and now he's commanded to leave Zarephath, which means a place where gold is refined. So as I mentioned this morning, Elijah was being put to the test. And that ought to remind us, and I alluded to it just very briefly this morning, that that all of us are being tested constantly, repeatedly. And we go from one test to another. I want you to notice in verse number 9 the same word that we based the message this morning on, where he says in verse number 9, Go to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zion, and notice, dwell there. So here we find that word there again. The brook has dried up. And, and so God moved his servant from one place to another place, which reminds us that God's resources are never exhausted. You know, ours might be at times. The brook dried up there. There is no more water, but he, he moves his servant to a place where there, where there are supplies and God always has plenty for those that obey him, but it's always for those that are there, wherever there might be in your life. It's the place that God wants you to be at that particular time in your life. And when we get there, we have the confidence that God's going to supply our needs. Now, there's three things about the outcome of obedience that I want you to notice in this story, first of all, is the move itself. Here in verse number eight and verse nine, you don't need to read it all again, but here is, is Elijah demonstrating his willingness to obey God, which is the key to receiving blessings. But notice in verse number nine that that his actions are based on God's promise. He says notice i have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee so he didn't just you know didn't just tell him to go there you know that that is a command but there's a promise attached to the command that when you go there there'll be a widow woman that will sustain thee well again i have to try to put myself in his shoes and wonder what he must have thought well, maybe he envisioned a wealthy widow of some kind that would bankroll his ministry. Oh man, I can't I can't wait to get there. I mean this old gal, you know, she's probably got all kinds of money and she's gonna be able to take care of me and supply my needs. She's probably got a lot in reserve and so forth and so he you know, he might might have been thinking that. I, I, I don't know, but the fact of the matter is he went. He His trust was in the Lord. He wasn't motivated by personal gain, but rather, this is what God said, you know, I want you to do, and that's what He did, and God can't lie, and because God can't lie, we can always trust Him. You know, on the other hand, Elijah might have thought, you want me to go to a widow because, you know, at that time in history, in that part of the world and what have you, the widows were the, usually the ones that were in great need. And so he might have, instead of thinking of her as a wealthy widow, he might have been thinking about her as somebody that's down and out, probably that can't take care of herself. How in the world is she going to take care of me? You see, that's where so many times we try to reason things out and we we get our minds all twisted up and warped around instead of saying, you know, I don't know the details. I have no idea what to expect except there's going to be a widow woman there and she, God's going to use her to give me what I need. That, that's all He needed to know. And God told me to go there. And so this is the move. And there's so many times, you know, that people in life refuse to move when God speaks. Uh, don't lose sight of the fact that, as I said this morning, there was a geographical location for Elijah. For us, it might be forsaking some sin, breaking some habit, getting rid of some bad attitude in our life. It can be accepting a challenge in our life. It can be enduring certain trials in our life and, and, and a lot of different things. But wherever there is, that's where we need to be. But it takes us to move. You know, we can't stay where we are. And so many times, you know, we get locked down in our comfort zone. We don't want to leave there. You know, we feel like we've got security where we are, and we 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 don't want to leave. It's you know, we envision it's going to be something that's not only difficult, but something that, you know, maybe is unpopular or something that's going to be inconvenient. And uh, we, something about especially us Americans, we just don't like for people to rock the boat. We, you know, we got our little plans laid out and we don't want anybody to interfere with that. And God has a way of just stepping right into the middle of, of a person's life and changing everything. And that ought to be all right with us. Why should it matter? Because we know, or we should know, that He's going to do a better job of directing us than we would ourselves. So why should it matter if God wants to rearrange our entire life? So the move has been made, and that brings us to the meeting in verse 10. Notice verse 10 and 11, because the first thing we notice here about the move is a request that Elijah made. He said in verse number 10, that he arose and went to Zarephath, and he came to the gate of the city, and behold, the widow woman was there. Well, what do you expect? <laughs> Didn't God tell him she was called for her and said, Fetch me, I pray, thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, it's kind of like, and oh yeah... Notice. And oh, yeah, bring, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Now, it's amazing to me that he meets this woman there. He doesn't know her. He doesn't know that that is the widow woman. I, this, as far as I know, I, I think there's something I'll get to in just a minute that sort of tipped him off. But when he gets there, he just sees a woman there out gathering sticks. But he saw the possibility that this was the woman of whom the Lord spoke. So he sees the possibility. And I think that's important because it's good for us to see the potential in people. So many times we don't. We look at somebody's life and they're so messed up and unconcerned about spiritual things and we just assume that there's no potential there We just assume they'll never turn to the Lord. They'll never serve God. They'll never be worth anything. We need to learn to see the potential in people because too many times we look on the dark side. You know, we look at their past behavior. And oh I I know the past behavior is the best way to, you know, to predict future behavior. I understand that. But God has a way of turning a life upside down to where past behavior doesn't matter at all. And so let's not be so quick to give up on people and look at the potential that people that people has. Now, notice again, he makes his request. But he asked for only the bare necessities. He could have said, you know, man, I, those ravens have been feeding me, and I I, 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 I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of bored with their diet. I, I didn't like what they brought. I, you know, I, I want a, I want a ribeye steak, you know, whatever. But he didn't do that. He just asked for the necessities there. Boy, that's a lot different than some of the modern day preachers that I know of, you know. Uh, they, wow, it's so many times and you see it all of the time now, and I'm not going to go into mentioning a bunch of names, but you see these preachers that specialize in praying on widows and those poor older folks that are on a fixed income and all of a sudden you learn they live in these huge, huge mansions and, and, and have their own jets and so on and so forth. And there's just something about that seems wrong to me. I, it always has, I, you know. And, 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 and to, to bait those poor people into giving, you know, by putting them on a guilt trip that if you had as much faith as I did, you can have all the stuff I got. Well, there's no truth to that. You can be as dedicated as the Apostle Paul and end up in prison. You see, that that's for God to decide. But the point is, we need to learn to be content with whatever it is that God provides for us. And I think Elijah was. You know, he said, "I I just need some water and a little cake. I just need the basic necessities." By the way. God told us to be content in whatever state that we're in, didn't He? God told us, you know, to be content if we just have the bare necessities of life. And one of the most vicious battles that we face is discontentment. And and I think all of us, especially in America, all of us to some degree, we, we struggle with that. Because, you know, it's really easy to say, well, boy, God has just blessed me so greatly. I'll tell you what, I've never been more content than I am right now. Yeah, yeah. But boy, in a day or two later, when something doesn't go your way or you don't get this or you don't get that, all of a sudden you're all bent out of shape and complaining about how unfair life is and what have you. How How is it that we suppose that that we have the right to disobey God. And we might as well face it, you know, that whenever it comes to this matter of discontent, most people don't think of it as any great, terrible sin in their life because they're discontent. You know, after all, I'm not a drunk, I'm not a thief, I'm just discontent. Again, do you understand what an insult that is to God? For God to say, in all of my wisdom and the greatness of my love, this is what I've chosen to give you. and, And you say, well, I'm not satisfied with that. Elijah was the man that he was because he was content with whatever it was that God chose to give him. Now, Notice verse number 12. We're still talking about the meeting that's taken place. And here we see the reply to his request. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Now put yourself in her place. She is getting ready to prepare her last meal and fully expected that after eating that meal, her and her son both would starve to death. Here's a woman at that point who saw no hope because there were no reserves. I mean, it was going to be all gone. She really thought that she was going to die. I mean, this is the last person that you would expect to get help from. You know, he could have met her there and as soon as she made that statement, he could have said, whoops, I've got the wrong widow here. I better move on. I better look for somebody else. You can't you can't help me. But he was convinced this is the woman and, and you have to wonder what it was. That convinced him. And that brings us to the reassurance. Notice verse thirteen and fourteen here, and I believe this is why he knew this was the right woman. Elijah said unto her, Fear not, and go as do as and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. And bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of, the barrel of meal shall not waste, and neither shall the of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Now something convinced him that this is the woman. And I think that something is found in her statement where she said in what verse number twelve, I guess it is. Where she said, "As the Lord thy God liveth." Now keep in mind, we talked about the religion of that day and what was going on, and he hasn't known this woman long enough to know. Well, is she a, a woman that is well versed in Judaism? You know, is she devoted to uh, to Judaism? What, what does she know about God? Because you know, he's been dealing with people that are heathen, people that are worshiping Baal. But here's a woman that made this statement as the Lord thy God liveth. That reminds me that words are important. She didn't say, you know, uh, one religion is as good as another. Whatever floats your boat, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you've got confidence in, if you're sincere, that's all that matters. She says, as the Lord thy God liveth. That made a big impact. You know, based on what I've heard some people say, I wouldn't I wouldn't ask them for help if I was starving, I don't think. I I, you know, I certainly wouldn't trust them. Uh, you, you know people like that. People that just in a roundabout way make it clear that I'd really rather not help you at all. But if I must, I will. You don't want to ask anybody like that for a favor. But here we find Elijah is not a bit reluctant to ask this woman for the food that she was going to use to feed her and her son before they died. Notice what he says here. He says, Fear not. In other words, don't worry. Don't worry. No reason to fret. You know, she just told him, said me and my son, we're going to die. This is all we've got. And he Fear not. You know, the same thing applies to every single one of us. And again, whenever we, you know, whenever we talk about uh, disobeying God, it it seems like this matter of worry, like the matter of covetousness and what have you, it's one of those those sins that we don't attach a great deal of meaning to. It's just not, you know, it's not not a big deal, you know. I I just, I'll never forget preaching a revival meeting years ago, and I, I was preaching about this subject, and I'll not go into too much detail or anything. But after after the message was over and uh, we were leaving, and myself and the pastor and his wife, I I could tell she was really, had her feathers ruffled for some reason. And, uh, she, you know, she tried to be as <laughs> mannerly as she could be. But she just wanted me to know that it's not reasonable to expect people not to worry. Because when bad things happen, it's just natural that we worry. Being natural doesn't make it right, folks. And over and over and over again, the Bible says, fear not. Talking about the kind of fear where Paul said, be anxious for nothing, And so it is a problem because it indicates a lack of faith on our part. But notice with this reassurance that he he drops the bomb here. Listen to what he says: "Make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me." It wasn't enough to you know just go cook me something and but bring it to me. Boy, I got to tell you, there are a lot of women that would have really resented that. Amen. (laughs) Some of them might be here tonight. I don't know. But you mean bring it to you? Come and get it for yourself, you know. Can you imagine? He's asking a starving woman to supply his need ahead of that and her son. And I'm like you, something about that just doesn't seem right. The only thing that made it right was the fact that he was being directed by the Lord. That's why we ought to we ought to do as God commands, even when it doesn't make sense, folks, it pays to obey. Now the miracle. Here's the miracle beginning in verse number 15 now. And she went and did, according to the saying of Elijah, now let's stop a minute. Because we've been giving Elijah a lot of credit, but we've got to give this woman some credit. I mean she must have had a great faith. She did according to what he said, and notice and said, and and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of the meal wasted not, and neither did the crews of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Now remember, she is motivated by this promise back in verse number 14. And uh, he said, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel. That made an impact on her. And he said, the barrel of meal shall not waste and neither the cruise of oil fail until the day the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. So here is the promise that she is responding to. She is assured that if I obey God, as unreasonable as it seems, if I do what God wants me to do, I can have the assurance that God will supply my need. Uh, And He did. Which which means that there was a miracle every day. Every every meal was a miracle. Kind of like I said this morning, you know, You know, whether the food comes by rail or ravens, it doesn't make any difference. It's still a gift from God. Now, I know maybe some of you are thinking, man, I wish I had that kind of faith. I want that kind of faith. The kind of faith that's willing, you know, as soon as I know the will of God that I'm all in, I you know, I, I'm going to do my best to do His will regardless of how difficult or dangerous it might be. Well, the good news is we can get that kind of faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, you see. And so if the faith is available for every child of God. There's no reason for any of us to be lacking in faith. I, oh, I know all of us maybe to some degree are lacking in faith. I understand that. But it doesn't mean we have to be that way. Because faith can be increased, and if I understand this, and you know this could be a debatable subject and what have you, but I'm really convinced that God did not just fill the vessels up. He could have said, "Okay, there, there, there it is. I, I'm giving you a month's supply. I'll be back next month and give you more." I really believe that that God. Put in the barrel and in the cruise exactly, however much was needed for that day. God, God doesn't promise to supply all of our needs. Plural. I remember years ago I preached from Philippians four nineteen, and after the church, a woman came up to me and uh, and she was she wasn't trying to be a smart aleck or anything. She was very gracious and knowledgeable of the Bible, and she said, "Brother Stone said." You misquoted Philippians four nineteen. And I said, Well, I don't I don't think I did. And I quoted it again, and she said, Yeah, there you did it again. And I said, Well, that's what the Bible says. She said, No, no, it's not. So, what are you talking about? She said, It doesn't supply, but say, But my God shall supply all of your needs, plural, but he shall supply all of your need. And that's exactly pray for your annual, you know, your annual bread. Pray for your daily bread. Oh, but we, you know, we we like to have that comfort. We like to have that nest egg. We like to have a stash put away. We, we like to know that the cupboards aren't bare, that there's always going to be plenty. And God says, no, if you In doing that, God was teaching her the need for her to maintain an attitude of constant dependence upon Him. Don't kid yourself. Whenever whenever we have an abundance, we tend to forget God. And God had warned Israel about that in the book of Deuteronomy. When they were rich and increased in goods and what have you, He warned them about forgetting God. And that can happen to anyone. But boy, whenever your stomach's crowding and you don't have anything to eat and you're wondering the cupboard's bare and how I'm going to make it through the day, it gets really easy to pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. It's really easy then because we start thinking about God because we know that He's the one and the only one that's able to meet our needs. It, it's so amazing the way God works. I'm... How many of you have read the story of George Mueller in Bristol, England, the orphanages there? Just a few of you. Boy, everybody ought to read that story. It is so amazing it, it, to think about what God did with that man. And here was a man that had a burden for all of the those orphaned children and brought them in and and started one orphanage and then another and ministered to them without ever asking anybody for anything. And there were times that they, at the moment, he had the kids to go in and sit down and even ask the blessing on the food and there wasn't any food. And all of a sudden, there would be a knock at the door and there would be a delivery from someone. And I'm not talking about something that just freakishly happened one time. I'm talking about something that happened year after year after year. It's amazing. As I said, whenever I was a young preacher, I started reading everything I could about all of the famous preachers from the past. The biographies, the autobiographies, and... And all of the major ones, I would read those and the missionary stories. Adiram Judson uh, to the Golden Shore, still my favorite. Uh, uh, it's, it's just amazing what God did. But I remember reading the diary of David Brainerd. David Brainerd was the uh, was the son-in-law to to Jonathan Edwards, and he was a young man and was was a missionary to the American Indians. And you can imagine back, you know, in those days, traveling among the Indians, and I mean, here's a man out there by himself in his twenties, and a man so devoted to the Lord, and, and, and he, he he died at an early age, I think, 28 or something like that. But what a life he lived! But I remember reading the story of one time out on one of these trips, and he'd encountered a severe storm. I mean, it was life-threatening. And he, he found a hollow log, and he got in the hollow log and took shelter there. And during the course of him being there, he was there for three days. For three days straight, there was a squirrel that decided to use that hollow log to deposit all of his nuts in. And he was storing up his nuts. And here is that preacher in there, you know, uh, eating those nuts. And he survived for three days like that. It just goes to show you what God can do. Boy, think about the pressure that takes off of us, Folks because there's so many times we think oh I've got to do this I've got to take care of this and got to take care of that the main thing remember the whole duty of man is to is to what fear God and keep his commandments god doesn't hesitate to put us in situations where faith must be exercised and for that reason we should never resent our trials I don't think anybody would clap their hands and rejoice if suddenly you discovered that you were bankrupt or that you had cancer or that your spouse was suing you for a divorce. I don't think anybody would you know uh, w- would want that. Of course not. But there are times those things happen. And when they do, we need to understand that God has some purpose that's far beyond our ability to understand but that God is going to use that in some way. Now, I I know we start thinking about, you know, we expect that good that comes from it to be within the next 30 days. And it doesn't work that way. It It might not even come to fruition during the course of your life. It might come as a result of what God makes you to be in the age to come. So many times we live like we're going to die and it's all over and that's just the beginning. Everything we go through, God uses in some way to shape us and prepare us for the ministry that we're going to be involved in later on. Remember, we're going to be here a thousand years on this earth ministering. And God's using all of this stuff so that's why we shouldn't resent our trials. We just need to ask God for the grace to bear up under them instead of complaining about them. Because God's going to use those things, to, as painful as they are, to shape us in His own likeness. And I, of course, think about Job naturally. When you think about suffering, you always think about Job but then you come over to the last chapter where you read where Job had twice as much in the end as he did in the beginning. And that's the way it's going to be for, for, for those who faithfully obey God. Whether it's here, or whether it's payday someday, out yonder in eternity when we all get home, we'll all have to admit it pays to serve Jesus. The outcome of obedience. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord. May God help us to be obedient even when it's tough. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Father, how we thank You tonight for this more than a story that we've considered. This actual event in history. But it's more than just an event that that's been recorded in Your Word. It's a lesson for each and every one of us. And Lord, may we embrace those great truths that we've thought about tonight. God, help us to do even as Elijah did. May we respond to Your command with with immediate and full and cheerful obedience. And in doing so, just as Elijah became a blessing to that woman and her son, you can use us to be a blessing to somebody else. Accomplish your will here in this service tonight. May each of us be submissive to what it is you would have us to do. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and we're going to sing this verse of invitation. If God's speaking to your heart about something maybe you just want to come and pray or to praise the lord for what he's done it's 350 350